Because of the coronavirus epidemic and to respect social distancing guidelines, this episode of Civil Politics was recorded remotely over Zoom. Good evening and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow and I'm hosting tonight. Uh, along with erstwhile long-suffering producer Jonna Roberts. Erstwhile? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You have I'm a word sure a day I... calendar, don't you? I, I <laughs> maybe every time you you you're just trying to come up with 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 new um, vocab words. That's what we yeah. called them in school: vocab words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that's what we called them when I was a kid too. And uh, also. Uh, uh, our resident Republican uh, rabble rouser, Sue Timberlake. <laughs> I am sure, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> rabble, rabble. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to stay out of the way. What can Is I it, say? Wait, who's the character? Who am I thinking of? Goes rabble, rabble. Uh, uh, hamburgerler. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, okay, right. Never understood why I did that, but anyway. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's a, a weird noise. I could go for. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, welcome to and Civil I Politics. Thought, I just thought of that like off the cuff, by the way. That was immediate. That's was, amazing. I, <laughs> yeah, that's right out of the cobwebs there. Very well No, I mean, you're right. I'm like, of course it is. You know, like, I just, you know. <laughs> of course, Sean would know about that. Well, Let's you talk know, about Alf the cartoon series next. Anyway. In 10, in <laughs> ten seconds, it would have come to me too. You know, it's just, you know, it's been a little while. Anyway, this is Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. And uh, we are uh, doing our show and we'd love to hear from our listeners. And you can get in touch with us in a few different ways. Uh, email is civilpoliticsradio wait, wait, at. Wait. Uh, oh. New email. Oh, tell us the new email. The new email is contact at civilpoliticsradio.com. Well. Okay, so email us, mm-hmm. contact at civilpoliticsradio.com, uh, facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio, assuming you uh, feel comfortable going there after the whistleblower you know, revelations Yikes. and the testimony in Congress. Um, and uh, on Twitter, which of course is a land of sunshine and light on the web, uh, we are at civilpoliticsfm. And Facebook.com, I'm sorry, not, uh, quite simply, civilpoliticsradio.com is our website, uh, which is where our email is. And you can listen to previous episodes of the show and supplemental episodes like the one that Jammer just posted, I think, yesterday, uh, where I sat down and had a nice chat with uh, uh, Nicole LaChapelle, the mayor of East Hampton, who was our guest on the show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and I, I talked to her about... Uh, uh, some of the local development work and how uh, how some of that sausage gets made, and also about uh, the experience of being one of the actual 13 electors who represented Massachusetts in the Electoral College uh, I- earlier this year during following the election of Joe Biden to the presidency. So, yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's a half hour of your time. I don't think you'll regret spending with Nicole and me. All right, with Nicole, anyways. Anyway, there you go. Um, <laughs> there you go, buddy. 
<laughs> oh, and I actually, I do want to mention just sort of it's it's still a ways away, but coming up in November on the 14th through the 20th, so our show of the 19th, will be the week of our Valley Free Radio Fall Fun Drive. And we will be, uh, once again, uh, the uh, uh, legacy of my family will be kicking in uh, uh, matching grants to to help raise more money for the station. And also, uh, we will be trying to raise money uh, to uh, fix our transmitter. Like we, like if you've listened to the show over the air, you may have heard from time to time, there's times when there's hissing and it cuts out. And we've realized that there are some equipment issues that we're going to fix, and we just need to uh, get some new, better equipment and install it. And uh, you know, send some money to valleyfreeradio.com, uh, valleyfreeradio.org slash donate is our donation page. Send us money and we can help uh, do a better job of putting this show over the airwaves and streaming over the internet. Um, and if you do it during our pledge drive in November, well, uh, there'll be uh, uh, a multiplier, a force multiplier to sweeten the pot for everybody. <laughs> Once again, we're asking for your support. Please. We are still a <laughs> tiny nonprofit uh, all volunteer radio station. <clears throat> we're like so. NPR without the funding. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're we NPR funding, not as not as cool. <laughs> we no just don't have funding. like you know, no hundreds of thousands funding. of no dollars. We funding. have funding. We have great funding from all of our listeners, and honestly. Yep. Uh, I would entirely supported by our listeners entirely. Yeah, I would 100%. not have it like I would have more, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Like yep, we, no, we are independent. We can do what we want because of the listeners uh, contributing and helping us do that. We can have, uh, we can have shows like civil politics. We can have shows like um, farm to fork and, and everything just because we are independent. We don't have to answer to anybody but ourselves, which I, which I really, exactly. We have have a station where we have civil politics and then directly after we have subculture. Okay. You know, like it's just, it's just, it's just (laughs) great. I love it. So um, if you can help us out, uh, especially during the month of November, um, then, uh, you'll you'll be supporting a, a truly independent source of of media and music and news and commentary and me um yeah yeah no. yeah yeah sure yeah <laughs> way to ruin it mike so uh, uh so speaking of uh uh funding uh civil politics doesn't have any kind of uh, you know, legal or constant or, or, or statutory uh, debt ceiling limit because we don't have any debts, thank God. But uh, the apparently the 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 government of the United States of America actually does, and there have been more, yeah, more shenanigans about uh, raising money. Um, uh, I gotta say, it, this is this remains just the most frustratingly dumb uh political uh fracas happening this is i mean because this is purely mitch mcconnell uh dragging things out trying to waste time in the senate so that democrats can't get as much done and do we know when they started it used 
There used to not be a a debt ceiling cap, and I don't know when historically it's fairly recent that it was created. But it was to stop the. It was. It's. You can't stop the spending after you've already put it on the credit card. Right. That's that is just not how it works. That, 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 that's that's the argument, quite simply, that uh, once Congress has authorized the spending, it's authorized, uh, you know, the government to take out, you know, to issue bonds to cover the spending, you know, and and, and arguably, since the uh, executive branch doesn't have the discretion to not do what it's instructed to do by the legislature, you know, like the legislature sets the laws and the executive, you know, carries out those laws. Purse. Right. Yep. Right. Exactly. So if they say you will spend $20 million on, you know, building a new swimming pool somewhere, or, you know, in, you know, community swimming pools all over Georgia or whatever, you know, okay, great. Well, they've, they've got to do that. You know, they, they, they're, 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 the executive branch may have some latitude in figuring out exactly how and where and when and how many pools and how big there will be. And, you, you know, all kinds of stuff, you know, there's, there's a lot of of nitty gritty details in how the how things get done, but fundamentally they can't say, yeah, well, you told us to do this, but nah, it's like it, that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> At least it's yeah, not it's supposed so to crazy. work. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I on the one hand, the whole thing is just farcical political theater because you know the Democrats have the votes. If the Republicans would just let them do it through normal order, the Republicans are like, no, we want you to do it through reconciliation. And it's like doing it through reconciliation is a huge pain in the butt and it wastes and time. And there's only two weeks left. Right. And the Republicans are like, that's fine. We don't care if it's a huge pain in the butt and wastes time. We don't care if it doesn't get done because we think everybody will just be angry at you. And that's all that matters. And it's just even though. The spending from the tax cuts in the last four years actually is what boosted it way up. Yeah, so. it, it's just, it's, I, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's my party that actually did all the recent spending. Yes. It's your party well, that usually does all the spending. Yes. Well, and and, and just, it's it really is putting the lie to the the fiction that uh, Senators Manchin and Cinema in particular are clinging to that there's the, you know, we're trying to be bipartisan and we're all trying to work together for the common good. It's like that is very clearly not uh, uh, any kind of serious consideration for Mitch, Mitch McConnell. You know, I mean, yeah. I believe the common well, you know, good is a thing. And like, I'm not a fan of Mitt Romney, for example, but I think Mitt Romney believes that there is such a thing as the common good, even if he's not willing to buck with Mitch McConnell to actually for- promote it. You know, like, I think he's aware that it exists. It's just, you know, how well, much I don't know if you've ever followed the, the Mormon religion and how well they take care of people in their community, whether you're Mormon or not. I mean, they have all sorts of food banks and you know, driving people around and they're very community oriented as a religion, uh, hmm. especially in, uh, in Utah. And they have one of the most um, complicated and there's a really good article quite a few years ago now on the religion and just how intricate and complicated and you have to give 10 percent of your income to the church. And then they do all this stuff to make sure, you know, everybody eats and nobody's homeless. It I, it's really cool that they also intense. allowed black people into their religion very recently. Yeah, no, it's oh, it's very progressive. That's really, yeah, yeah, that's really good. That's really great for them. I I gotta well, say, also, I 
I, I understand religion's archive. an important part of people's lives, but I just, the multi-level marketing model is not a good model for anything. So, <laughs> Well, no, it's just tithing of the church. But uh, what, the only sure. point I was trying to make, because you know I'm an atheist, um, the point I was trying to make is that he, that his religion, and he's a bishop in the Mormon church, people don't always know that, but that his, his community, you know, his, his feelings about community are strong. So yeah, yeah, it's very hard to understand sometimes. Mitt, what, Mitt Romney, I, I I think of him a lot as sort of a go-to Republican establishment senator because a he actually did actually vote to convict Trump uh, in the articles of impeachment, and also he was our governor. So like he's somebody I actually know something about. You know, like I I couldn't tell you anything about Senator Ben Sass. You know, uh, yeah. or and he also uh, invented Obamacare, but you know, yeah. Well, yes. And again, the reason I didn't vote for him in 2012 is because he or yeah, because he he his his presidential campaign was basically like, what a mistake that was. <laughs> uh, so, so the um, the debt ceiling was basically created uh, from the founding of the United States until 1917. Congress directly authorized each individual debt issued to provide more flexibility to finance the United States involvement in World War One. Congress modified the method by which it authorized debt in the Second Liberty Bond Act of 1917. Under this act, Congress established oh, an wow. aggregate limit or that ceiling on the total amount of new bonds that could be issued. And there sure. was another law called, I believe, the Public Debt Acts in 1939 and 1941 that amended the, uh, the, the, the rules for changing the debt ceiling amount. Um, yep. one, the, the last time we had a real, real crisis, like a big crisis, uh, with the debt ceiling in 2011, um, we delayed, uh, raising the debt ceiling and our credit rating as a country was downgraded. Obama was president, right? Yep. He was. That was the last year of his first term. It, and, oh. and I know why it happened. This, this is my most my darkest thoughts uh oh well they never that had never happened like that before and i think it was mitch mcconnell and company no and i think they were they were trying to make him look bad and the bond agencies went along with it and reduced the there's no they, reason we should have had our bond rating reduced they they, they absolutely were trying to make him look bad mcconnell had stated publicly yeah. that he wanted to make obama a one-term president so yeah yep but that was and that that's what they were doing. And they were playing with the full faith and credit of the U.S. I mean, think about the cynicism of that. So anyway, I says my darkest thought. That's Believe me, I have I been thinking about the cynicism of Mitch McConnell, especially, but the Republican Party in general for years now. And it continues to amaze me that you haven't decided to set the whole thing on fire. <laughs> it, it, it's, funny that, or... uh, it's funny that you said were they were uh, playing with the full faith and credit. Because they are now. No, because that's what's happening. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, today he caved. Did you know Mitch McConnell he caved today? Cave. Did he though? That wasn't yeah. that wasn't a cave so much as a fine. We'll we'll vote we'll vote for this because the the damage to uh, the Democrats, um, uh, what's it called when people like you, their favorability. Yeah, the dam the damage to their credibility. Uh the damage to their credibility has been done. 
Biden's down to 38%. Yeah, Biden's Biden's below 40%. And the... uh, uh, and now they can ride in and say, yeah, OK, we'll we'll raise the debt ceiling. You know, like they they're they're jo- the job that they were trying to do is done, but they don't want to default on debts because that will hurt, you know, the American people. Well, the the business community was going crazy. Oh, I'm yeah, sure. I bet, I bet they're going put a lot of pressure. Nuts. Yeah, no, it'll 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 but mess I with think, the money. And that is a no, no. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, well, I I think Mitch McConnell just pulled a fast one on Joe Biden. And can I explain it? Sure. So I think Chuck Schumer, forgive me, is dumb as a sneakerful because be. they I... postponed the inf- the infrastructure vote, the big one, mm-hmm. right? They, they were going to vote for it last week. Yeah. That's what Mitch McConnell was timing this with. He was trying to make sure it happened in the same window with the, the democratic spending. Mm-hmm. So that they could conflate the issues and the American public would think, oh, the Republicans are just trying to stop the, um, what do you call it, the reconciliation bill? You know, you oh. call it the, you know, mm-hmm. the big infrastructure bill. So what Mitch McConnell did, he's brilliant at this. He said, we'll give you two months because that's about when the other bill's going to come back up again. And they, mm-hmm. what they were trying to do is conflate so that people misunderstood and thought this paid for Biden's spending, and we're really paying for the last, you know, the last four years of spending, which is actually my party's spending. So, so Mitch McConnell acted like he was caving, and he did cave today. So they're going to vote on it, and it's going to take us through the beginning of December. But Mitch McConnell just pulled a fast one. They have no idea they're going to run into another train again, another brick wall. And it's uh, like I can't believe they can't see the game theory in this. The Democrats, your, your, uh, your guys. It, it could so. well be that uh, uh, the Democratic leadership has increasingly decided to just not care what Mitch McConnell says, because here's the thing, whatever whatever the Republican Party thinks is advantageous to say, they will say that it, whether yeah. or not it is true or in any way resembles truth will be completely irrelevant. So well, but they are going to have the vote. I mean, he's he's allowing the vote. He's not going to filibuster it. Sure. Okay. Um, and that'll nice. just take it to the beginning of December. Yeah, uh, honestly, so like the the more McConnell tomorrow. keeps up these kinds of shenanigans, I'm hoping that we may start to see cracks in the facade uh, of uh, cinema and mansion. That that they might be like, okay, fine. I mean, admittedly, they've they've held strong you know, held stuck to their guns for this long. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So actually, so we've got a few minutes left here in the first half and that does remind me. So, uh, aside from the, uh, you know, the, the tactical political considerations of, you know, how does this play out on the news cycle? And is this a good idea? Like just in general, what do you guys Think about uh, the way uh, Senator Cinema has been just been followed around, and and uh, you know constituents have been remonstrating with her sometimes very, very, very passionately about uh, how disappointed they are with her and whatnot. I I think uh, I, I think on the whole, I'm I'm I think it's really great. Um, I do think perhaps it would be okay to let her have a moment of privacy in the in the bathroom. You know, and you could wait for her to come out. And the longer she doesn't come out, the worse it looks for her. But 
whatever. I, I, I definitely do think that it's good that both of them are hearing from, you know, their voters, from their supporters saying, we are really disappointed with you. What are you doing? A bunch of people kayaked out to, to Joe um, Manchin's house, Joe boat. Manchin's boat, yeah. his yacht. Oh, really? Yeah, his, the yacht yeah, he lives on. Yeah, funny. it's a big boat. Yeah, it, yeah it's called yeah, yeah. Almost And heaven. he said, I don't want America to be coming in. And and they, in particular, he said, like, I don't want to make the, the 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 new child tax credit a permanent thing because I don't want America to become an entitled society. Jesus Christ! And I just, oh my God! Uh, so your so your question is: Is it okay for them to be uh, harassed in public? I, yeah, har- harassment is is a very specific thing, like. Like you could say a not cost, in the legal not in the legal sense of harassed. Yeah, but, I, you know. like I wouldn't say like harass. I would say like confronted. Confronted. Yeah, you know, um, because there is a point to them trying to talk to them. Help. It's not like them trying yes. to bother them. You know, like there is a there is an important reason why they are trying to talk to the to their you know representatives. Yes, um, and I think that the I think that, yeah, I think this is okay like mostly because this is the only way people can talk to them like yeah. they, they want to answer the phone if, they yeah. want to answer the phone wait when where's a town meeting you yeah know? senator cinema apparently hasn't held any public events in some time exactly like if she if they want to of like i think that if a if a if a uh, candidate or a uh or an elected official or something if they hold regular um town meetings press press conferences something in a way that lets their constituents can communicate with them then at that point if people are like harassing them if they are harassing them in public or confronting them in public then they can say well i have a town meeting on this date at this time go you know come talk, we can talk then and we will talk in front of everybody um and advertise them so people know yeah and if but if people yeah. don't have that opportunity they have to access their representatives in some way you know like how yeah you can't like they're supposed to be representing them like how are they supposed to do this without uh being able to talk to them you know so i i think it's fine in because they are actively avoiding talking to people you know, yeah. except for the cameras, like like going on CNN or going on Face the Nation or whatever is different from going and going doing a town meeting because or a town hall meeting because that is what the recesses, especially in the summer, are should be for. Yeah. It's not just vacation. You're supposed to go home. You're uh, supposed you to reconnect with your people. Yeah. You're supposed to talk to them. And journalist Mehdi Hassan, who's on uh, Peacock, uh, MSNBC. Uh, actually pointed out that, you know, Joe Manchin doesn't do a, a lot of national media, but he does do a fair amount of like talking to local outlets in West Virginia, you know, like his his state. But apparently mm-hmm. Senator Cinema isn't isn't talking to, you know, the Anybody? Arizona Republican or, yeah, you know, stations in TV stations in, in Tucson or Phoenix or whatever. She's just not doing any kind of media, even though even the local stuff. So, yeah, I they need to. I'm do- sorry, Sue. I, I, I think. I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. So I, I just want to say they need to do like I, I, I give respect to Manchin for doing that at least. Yeah. You know, like going. I think he's always done it. Yeah. I yeah. Think yeah he's but he needs, he needs 
Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm I'm getting all like worked up about this. I just hate it when when elected officials just hide and they're not like yep. they yeah. should have like any elected official should have regular con- like town halls, regular meetings. You mean like you know what's his name, Neil? What's his name, Neil? Congressman Neil? You Richie can't... Neil? Yeah, Richie Neil. My congressman? Oh yeah, the you can, yeah you can't ever reach. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I don't I that's why I'm like no <laughs> with Neil too. Like he should at least like during the summer, you know, during summer yeah. recess, I think that's I mean, during these long month-long, two-month-long recesses or whatever, you should go back to your district, go back to your state, and then have town meetings about how I'll, you're doing. I'll have to reach out to his office again because I tried a couple of years ago before uh before the 2020 election to get him to to come join us and you know i wasn't able to really make contact so you know i I understand not paying much attention to me (laughs) what is your opinion on this please Uh, i i took up a ton of time on that i'm sorry no no it's good because i think we do have differing opinions on it i was going to remind you guys this and talk about obama here i am the republican i've been talking about obama all night um remember the summer of obamacare when everybody went home and um, the insurance companies gotten everybody all revved up about what uh, they were going to do to healthcare and oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. and and everybody stopped they were holding town meetings and then all of a sudden nobody was and yeah mm-hmm. it was it was intense I think it's part of the job I do think that there's a line we're very political and hot right now you know people are really hot and and angry and it's sort of like what's going on on airplanes with um air stewards you know getting a, assaulted mm-hmm. by people because they don't want to wear a mask mm-hmm. i do think it could easily be right over the top so i think everybody who runs for office needs to be accessible to the people that voted them in that's part of the job i i not sure about um ambushing folks in the bathroom and you know i think I think you're right. That's what happens when people are frustrated and people should be holding town meetings. You're right. And they should be advertising so you can find them. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a Republican, as you know, but I often get an alert that, um, I forget his first name, McGovern, our, um, Jim, state Jim, Senator, Jim McGovern, state, my, Jim McGovern. uh, my yeah. representative actually. Yeah. Yeah. He's, well, he's a U.S. uh, rep. Um, yeah, I, I've been able to talk to him. I've been able to go to meetings, you know, when they fit in yep. my schedule, he's, mm-hmm. he's very open, accessible and look at, look at the territory he has to travel out here. So yeah, there's no excuse for not being really not. Um, responsible and accountable to your, and if they should vote you out, if they can't reach you, but you know, people don't, I, I would, uh, don't. So we're going to take a break in a moment though. I would like to just like pitch in. Cause you reminded me of something. There's a, uh, I follow a, a woman on Twitter named Charlotte Clymer. She's, uh, you know, she's a trans woman, political activist and consultant. Uh, she was with the Human Rights Campaign. I'm not sure w- exactly who she's working with now, but she's, you know, like an active public activist. voice and and commentator. Yes, activist, but also, I mean, just to some extent, she has a following just because she talks about politics and 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 you know opines uh, about. Uh, you know, issues about sexism and trans rights and things like that. You know, so she has a, a following in part because she's somebody who lives in these issues and cares about them. And she had what I thought was a, a, a sensible point, though a lot of people disagreed with it, which is just, you know, yeah, uh, confront Senator Cinema. you know, definitely 
you know, if you have to, you know, chase her down at, at, at events and if she's teaching at a college, you know, go and protest and t- try and talk to her or whatever. But for the love of God, please do, you know, don't follow people into bathrooms. And, you know, Seriously. her point was, right. Well, and her, her point don't, was, don't like, you know, this is exactly the kind of thing. You know, I'm worried people will say, well, if it's okay to do that, you know, well, you know, this trans woman, she's a problem too. And, you know, she's like the last thing I, you know, like, I really don't want to have to deal with a bunch of angry people trying to chase me down in a bathroom and thinking it's okay because you did it to Kirsten Cinema. And given the extra dangers, physical dangers yep. that trans people face in our society, you know, like I, I think it's very important to take those safety concerns seriously, to 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 bear them in mind. Yeah. You know, like yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like it's not just about Kirsten Cinema having a moment of peace to herself. It's also about trying to make sure that it's okay, yeah, that that people us. who people who aren't uh, as as safe and influential as Kirsten Cinema can be okay. Yeah, so. here's the here's the thing. Here's here's a good rule. Okay, um, yeah. they're in the bathroom leave them alone. They're that is at, a good rule. They're in, they're at their house. Do not like go. Don't invade their home. <laughs> don't invade their home. If they are out in public and they, they are not making themselves available to you in any other fashion, then yeah, go up to them and saying, say, what are you doing? I want an answer because I voted for you. Yes. What's happening? And if they say, well, I'm going to have a town meeting on this date and this time, here you go. And we're going to have town meetings uh, across the state uh, throughout this month. Then then you, then you, that person should leave them alone and then go to the town meeting. Yeah, I agree. That's, I, think that's, I think that is a completely appropriate uh, com- compromise, in my yes. opinion. Do you think you should shout shame at them? Depending on how bad they are, form. maybe. Yeah, maybe. Depending I mean, it's just a like question. People like... do it. Yeah. People do it. Yeah. I, I yeah. think if you're going to do that, maybe you should think about cosplaying as a Game of Thrones character. But, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm a bit of a nerd. Anyway, we need to a take a bit. short break here. Posh now. So we're, gonna, we're <laughs> taking a short break now here on uh, Valley Free Radio. This is Civil Politics. We're going to play some PSAs, promos, and station IDs, and we'll be back with more in just a couple of minutes. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres, and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in a CD or tape player. Each week presenting shows which can at times be organized orderly and at other times perhaps be not as much so, yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack, and we must work to protect it. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's Subculture Music Program, featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ, or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org.
tune in to Evidence-Based Radio, science and skepticism from a feminist and socialist perspective. Every week, we explore the interesting and important stories in science with a focus on the positive. Friday nights from 6 to 7 on Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, or at evidencebasedarada.com. That's 6 to 7 p.m. Fridays on Valley Free Radio. Welcome back to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I, Michael Dow, am speaking with Sue Timberlake and John Roberts, my boom companions, as we try and, uh, you know, say useful and interesting things about uh, politics and particularly the way politics plays out uh, in our public in our public spaces, our, our civil civic discourse. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll keep it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, edit out a little bits where I sound dumb and, and insecure, John Run. Just keep all the smart bits. We need an hour, Mike. We, oh. we need more than seven minutes. Drat. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind then. Um, but speaking of uh, curating the feed, see what I did there? Uh, oh have God. you guys been paying attention to. <laughs> Uh, is it Susan Hogan? I believe it's Hogan. Yeah, Hogan. Fra- Francis Hogan. Francis Hogan. Thank you. I, I don't oh, know yeah. exactly how to pronounce their last name, but I think it's Hogan. Um, but yeah, Francis Hogan, the um, the woman who until recently was an executive with Facebook and has worked with other social media companies, and who was the source for a series of, uh, well frankly, damning articles in the Wall Street Journal, and who uh, this week testified before. Uh, Congress, anyways. I remember if it was the House or the Senate, but uh, Congress. About, um, I believe it's the House. I mean, Congress is Congress. You know, like yeah, they they both get subpoenas. They both pass laws. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, the the uh, Facebook apparently. I mean, like like the the one sentence uh, summation. Uh, it was basically Facebook cares more about profits than anything else. So. They will do things uh, to make people engage with uh, their Facebook feed uh, uh, at all costs. And the best way to do that has been to uh, promote uh, uh, angry, divisive, conspiratorial nonsense. Um, And one of the reasons why uh, uh, public discourse has gotten as bad as it has is because uh, Facebook wants it that way because that's yeah, how they make she, to enhance it. How yep. they make the ching ching. She so, copied yeah. thousands of pay of paperwork papers, um, mm-hmm. information, Internal policy uh, research. Yeah, and, yep, exactly. And her job at Facebook was studying how the social network's algorithm amplified misinformation and was exploited by foreign adversaries. Uh, so she she's in it and she she shared the documents with lawmakers regulators and the wall street journal um so yeah she's did, did you did you all hear why she came forward when she did why is that because of january 6th so, wasn't it the, the the insurrection well it was what facebook did is that they had put all these um algorithms in place to sort of diffuse and check and take people off, you know, line and remove their, their, um, their presence. And the day 
and this was after the before the election, after the election, they took it all down and they lost mm-hmm. a lot of money by putting in those, I'll call it suppression algorithms, algorithms mm-hmm. that either cooled it off or didn't inflame it so much. Mm-hmm. And they took them off. And a lot of people, I guess, at Facebook quit. And she instead, she copied documents and I she provided them to, I think, Congress. Right. They had a private. Yes. They had a closed door hearing before they had the open hearing. And she provided a lot of their research and stuff showing what as they As far as I know, all the documents that she shared with the Wall Street Journal, she also shared with yeah. uh, Congress. You know, which it, Congress was, it was the Senate. The, the Senate. The, the yeah. committee Senate. hearing was uh, with the Senate. Um, the subcommittee Can chair was the, uh, Richard Blumenthal. Yes. And oh, I think Blumenthal, it was that's Senator... What, yeah. From out Connecticut, of Connecticut. Yep. Yeah. Was it Senator Blumenthal or Senator Whitehouse who also did the research, um, had someone on staff create a uh, profile of, you know, a fake profile of a 13-year-old girl uh, for Instagram, which, of course, is a Facebook company. And uh, just within, you know, uh, uh, within like three days, it had been uh, 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 Instagram's um, algorithm had had directed this account to uh uh, pages devoted to uh, uh, anorexia, to not not to fighting anorexia, but saying like, if you want to be thin, you know, you've got to you've got to do what it takes. That was so, Senator Blumenthal. Uh, his right. eye said he yeah. said his office created a fake Instagram Instagram account to pose as a 13 year old girl to research what the app was like for teens and how it could be potentially how it could potentially affect their mental health. This is from NBC News. Uh, yep. Research shown in real time, Instagram's recommendations will still latch on to a person's insecurities, a young woman's vulnerabilities about their bodies, and drag <laughs> them into dark places that glorify eating disorders and self-harm. Yep. Uh, this, yeah, Insta. Well, that's because that's what they're interested in. Just what, kidding. Teen girls? <laughs> <laughs> it's just my giving God, them what they Sue. want, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, oh it is God. quite... It, <laughs> I think to some degree we all kind of knew it, but the way this witness is testifying is very compelling, and she is she's she's a great witness. I heard somebody say if if she can't get Congress to do anything, then there's no hope because she had you know all the documents, all the evidence, and yeah. she's she she works in the field, and you know one of the arguments is that Congress is so old they don't even know what questions to ask. Yeah. Yeah, they were. They, um, they what did they say? She, they, she brought the receipts, right? Yeah, she brought the yeah, receipts. Yeah. But she, you know, yes, Congress yes. can't figure out how to <laughs> write the law, so they've been asking her what what they should do. It's very interesting and it's very concrete. I mean, she's got a million really good ideas about the kinds of things that Congress could do if they had the willpower to do it. To um, you know, make 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 things more public, accountable, transparent, just like we were saying about congressmen themselves, congresspeople themselves, you know, making, making it so that things are published so they don't have to ask Facebook to produce it. They just get, you know, some sort of a, just like the old utilities used to have to produce reports that showed how many people did this and what does that. And I mean, it's just very concrete. Her, she, she probably should be put in charge of the committee to set it up. So I don't. Have you guys heard any of her testimony? It's, uh, it's I've read some excerpts. I didn't actually uh, hear yeah. any of it, but yeah, if you can see 
her in action. She's almost like Fiona, uh, Fiona Hill, who was the uh, Ukrainian expert. Oh, right. Trump. Yes. Yeah. In the, mm-hmm. yeah. the first impeachment trial. Yeah. Yeah. Same kind of a witness. Like you just, you know, it, they're, they're not only believable, but they, they educate you while they're telling you what they understand. They give you the context and everything. She's pretty good. So I, but like, it's a million. Like Elizabeth Warren Congress was years doing. ago about, you know, consumer debt and, and yep. the need for a yep. consumer financial protection bureau. Yeah. Well, do we need yep. um, do we need something like a federal agency that regulates social media? Because I That's mean, yes, what she she seemed to be saying is that oh, okay. you know there so have, is that what there she said? Ro- is that what? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <No. laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> I okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sorry. <laughs> I just got it now. <laughs> you just got it? Okay. Um, anyway, sorry. Um, yeah. So, so, I mean, you know, obviously there are issues about like government restrictions on, on free speech, but at the same time, like the issue, the issue isn't saying like people can't post stuff online on Facebook or that Facebook can't let people see things. It's about how Facebook structures how it's presented to you i mean that 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 is sort of the publisher thing you know like that's well, that's that's how, what publishers do you know it's like go ahead sorry i was gonna say it's how they force you to navigate yeah you know what they're what they're waiting and unwaiting and you know that's all black box to people they don't they don't see any of that and only facebook has access to it and this this woman did she also john i'd be curious what you think of this um she didn't say throw out 230 i think it's 230 she said it needs to be modified mm. 230 oh section 230 of the telecommunications section. decency act of 1996 yeah, yeah the one that gives them immunity from everything. as publishers yeah 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 as as yeah or was it was it a utility? Anyway, the point is like, yeah, like they're 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 the medium it's coming over, not the actual person responsible for this. So like they're because like they're, they're more like a newsstand it. than a publisher. That was it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but they also being a newsstand that you can't get a newspaper you see, you get a newspaper that they select sections for and present to you. Right. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're, they yes. are, they do have their sub on the scale in there. I think that's really what she was trying to say. That yeah, they, and they, they definitely have do. Stepped, they've stepped from uh, just uh, producing, you know, to, to editorializing, kind of. Well, yeah, and, and, and just the statistics and stuff she had was were amazing. Yeah. And also, it's very clear that they're aware, like, that this is you know, socially damaging consequences. That there is a, that yeah. this goes beyond just like, yeah, all right, so so a, a ton of people like beer and football. Yeah, and beer and football kind of both stink, but all right, fine, whatever, beer and football. It's like, yeah, no, uh, like this is how you wind up with, you know, vaccine-denying fascists, and that is a problem. So uh, this is from Ars Technica. Um, Facebook whistleblower Frances Haugen uh, testified before a Senate panel. Um, she recommended a slate of changes to rein in the company, including a Section 230 overhaul that would hold the social media giant responsible for its algorithms that promote content based on the engagement it receives in users' news feeds. So this is the quote, if we had appropriate oversight or if we reformed 230 to make Facebook responsible for the consequences of their intentional ranking decisions, I think they would get rid of engagement-based ranking. 
because it, mm. she said because it is causing teenagers to be exposed to more um, anorexia content. It's pulling families apart, and in places like Ethiopia, it's literally fanning ethnic violence. Yeah, um, that's true. Um, yeah, Ethiopia and or somewhere else. I'm drawing a blank right now, but uh, there was there was actual uh, uh, you know violent. They could trace street it. fighting. Yep, they traced it. Came out. Yeah. It was messages being sent around on WhatsApp. I mean, the funny thing about this is that uh, we also saw what happens when Facebook just disappears for a little bit. Yeah, uh, Facebook went down for four hours. Yeah, Facebook went down for early this week. Yeah, Facebook went down for six hours, um, and it caused turmoil. And this is and the the important thing to realize is that not just because people couldn't talk to each other, communicate with their families, or just look at pictures. There are people around the world that depend on Facebook and WhatsApp uh, yes. for just communication Commercial. and yeah. their businesses. Yeah, um, yeah there there are, yep. Yep. lots there of were, businesses around the world. Mm-hmm. Like that's how a lot of their customers get in touch with them. You know, it's yeah. like there isn't a reliable ordering, phone service. You can, you can WhatsApp them. Yeah, they they do ordering, deliveries, um, customer service, uh, do everything through Facebook and WhatsApp. Yeah. And because those were down, people were like, "Well, I just didn't make any money today." Yeah, and this is a really great thing to have, like a tool that people can use, that people can use to to better their lives and and run businesses and things like that. That's great and free. But, and, and and Facebook should free, feel free. Yeah. Well, Facebook should definitely, you know, is entitled to make money if they're providing, you know, this useful technical service slash tool that is helpful to businesses. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. My point is that we the 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 problem is that we're that with these social media companies, uh, a lot of eggs are in one by basket. Facebook goes away. Yeah then uh, all these people yeah. are out of luck um there's and there's not really an alternative to do because you know they buy facebook buys them like instagram and whatsapp yeah those were independent well, facebook did not develop those technologies they, they bought those companies they just glommed them up yeah yeah thus becoming you know I mean, essential and too big to fail and so forth mm. But, you know, that was true of the phone companies. You guys aren't old enough to remember when, when ITT Bell owned bought everything. Up all the phone companies? Well, well, it was the way they were integrated and all that, and they, and they broke them up. And the way they did it is they made them divest. So they could mm-hmm. divest Instagram, and they could divest WhatsApp, and they could, you know, that, that's, that's doable because those really are standalone applications. I mean, they're not standalone because yeah. they're integrated, but they could be easily um, you know, and then the question is, how would you finance it? Because the way Facebook does it is they basically, you know, they steal everybody's data and sell it. It's not stolen because yeah. people agree to it. But, you know, that's that's the that's the market. That's why it's free. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. But you're OK with modifying 230. I, I suppose it depends on what they modify it. Yeah, it depends on what they modify. I, I, don't, I don't want 230 to be scrapped. I think it's, that like people need to have a place where they can yeah. they can post content and everything. Like it, they if if everybody was worried about being sued, then we wouldn't have a lot of we wouldn't have memes. It's a twenty five year old <laughs> law that 
you know, was not stupid at the time and is, you know, isn't exactly worthless now, but it's a 25 year old law that does not reflect the way that our uh, social, you know, interactions uh, are, you know, social media and online virtual spaces and, you know, the technical marketplace and the standards and technology available, like all of that has changed a lot. And the predators that have developed. Right, exactly. Like like there's mm-hmm. a whole, you know, social ecosystem that's evolved since then. And that just completely changes how things operate and updating uh, the, the, the rules a society has for controlling this sort of thing so it doesn't become like a, a toxic uh, social plague is, I think, sensible. Obviously, it's also possible to uh, modify 230 in a way that makes it worse. <laughs> but I think it yeah, might yeah. be possible to make it better. So, so in theory, I'm, I'm for it. Do you know what's also 25 years old this today or yesterday? What? Uh, Wait, because you just said the Internet's 25 years old. Fox News. Uh, well, I said the, commu- the, the 1996 Telecommunications Decency Act of 1996. Yeah. Yeah, the internet's way yeah, older than that, but yeah. yeah, Fox News. Oh, yep. Hey, yeah, that's a thing that happened. That is a yeah. that is a a, a wonderful just, example of how free speech and media power can be <laughs> terribly abusive to a society. A storied, well, the, the storied gonna, institution. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just I mention it because Michael, you're such a historian that you you know it's sort of like no, why does both these things develop in the same environment? You know, what anyway. the internet and Fox? Yeah, that's those are different things. I think I'm not saying they there's were, no overlap, but but Fox I'm, News. I'm what are the cultural pressures that cause the, you know, the sort of the partitioning of news? There, there, provision. there weren't there weren't cultural pressures that created Fox News. Um, there were. Uh, uh, it was a it's certainly a, a political and financial. So this is a wonderful example of how uh, capital shapes markets. The idea is like, oh, yeah, well, you know, what's the market demands or whatever. So Fox News, when it first went on the air, um, you know, it was the brainchild of Roger Ailes, who'd been uh, Richard Nixon's communications director. And he very explicitly, deliberately, uh, you know, after Watergate, had been looking to create a media outlet that would basically be home turf that would you know be quote unquote fair and balanced because that was what the the Nixon administration always said that the people who were writing about Watergate weren't they were biased and unprincipled and unfair and unbalanced and so forth um you know especially when they come out with more damning evidence of president nixon's actual crimes uh crimes that he really did commit and that really were bad and really did threaten the this country and uh, so Roger Ailes wanted a news outlet that would uh, that would have helped Nixon weather the storm, so that the next time a Republican behaved that way, uh, there would There's be counter voice. There would be another there, voice, right? There, there would be yeah. a partisan propaganda arm to help him. And Rupert Murdoch saw an opportunity to eventually make a lot of money, but also he he thought it was a, a worthy project. So Fox News, when it was created, uh became widespread because it was this 
you know, this big expensive operation to, to set up and, and operate. Um, but it was offered basically free of charge to cable companies around the country that were looking to uh, entice viewers with, you know, like we have all these channels and all this stuff to watch. So you should, you know, get cable TV and get all the stuff that you can't get with broadcast TV. And so the more free channels. Demand it. People actually had to demand it from their cable companies. They, went, sure, they, they didn't were, carry there, it at first. There, there were some 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 places. Some people were demanding it, but uh, it was also a, an easy decision to make because the cable companies didn't have to pay Fox News for it. Fox News was just offering it to them, and you know that was uh, a great leg in you know a great leg up. And so Fox News uh, through this. A huge injection of billions of dollars from Rupert Murdoch and uh, the other investors uh, created the marketplace by, you know, basically uh, churning the waters long enough for for a following to develop. So, uh, yeah, I'd yeah. argue a little differently that the climate was such that people were looking for alternatives in many different dimensions. It was sort of a, a period of explosion of all kinds of, you know, it's sort of, it's sort of like we only have two political parties and right now it feels like people are about ready for a change, you know, like they don't really like how it is right now and the time might be ripe for a third party. I guess I'm just arguing that the time was ripe for an internet and there were a lot of laws that promoted it and all that, yeah. but the people were really looking for alternative channels to tune into, however you define channel. You know, uh, whether it's, it's a Facebook streamer. Well, certainly uh, the uh, American media Especially landscape was dominated by, you know, the three broadcast three. networks. So there were like three authoritative newscasts and whatnot. And they were all yep. beholden to sort of the uh, uh, corporate interests that wanted to create these broad, uh, broadly appealing networks. Um, it, it's a CNN. It's when a did thing CNN some, start? Ten, ten uh, started. Like 1989 CNN. or 90? Yeah, it was in the yeah. 80s. So uh, one thing right I thought when we went the Iraq war, war, right? That was like their yeah. big, they had so, that so live. One thing I thought so. was interesting, somebody, uh, I can't remember who it was, but, uh, you know, as a, as a nerd and big Star Trek fan, I was uh, intrigued by somebody who was saying like, so Star Trek, you know, the original series went on the air in 1966 and went off the air after the 1968 season. Um, because it just didn't pull in enough viewers, but Star Trek, of course, became really? a big. Su- yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it got yeah. canceled. That nobody it watched got it. Got canceled. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, especially because the third season oh, was wow. bad and a lot of other things. But yeah. Um, but uh, and and it did have a passionate following, but it wasn't large enough to appeal to the network at the time. Uh, but of course, it was a huge success in syndication and became you know you know it survived to become the big cultural mile you know milestone that it is um but they pointed out like that networks that television networks in the united states uh you know in my Depressed. lifetime well the, the networks the as a whole diversity uh, hold on let Sue. me let me finish the point um Sorry. no it's just you know we only have a little bit left mike why don't you wrap up I will. So okay. the point was that they, uh, the the networks, because they were trying to appeal to a broad audience, uh, didn't uh, necessarily want to have programming that would appeal to a smaller group of fans, like a niche audience. Um, and that's completely changed now with the the, the modern 
sort of media landscape because, you know, uh, if, you know, you really shows about people throwing pies at each other, well, there may not be that many people who want to do that, but there might be enough that it's worth Netflix's while to put some money into it. Um, you just made made my point, by the way. How so? Because that's the argument I was making, that there was a craving for diversity of programming and that that's the market driver, not not Roger Ailes. But anyway. I, well, I think we've got to well, wrap we up. We can talk about this next time on Civil Politics <laughs> and, here and, on and I, think, Radio. I, I think uh, we'll have to. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, there were people who it was definitely interested more, but Roger Ailes decided that it, it was a great opportunity for him to create a partisan political propaganda outlet, which is what Fox News is. Yeah. So, anyway, that's going to do it, I guess, for, for civil politics tonight here on Valley Free Radio. Uh, yeah. So, thanks for listening to everybody. We've got Subculture coming up next at 8 o'clock, followed by a Table of Contents at 10, and then OK Asia at midnight. Uh whole great list of great mix of music to keep you busy uh, through the wee hours of the night and uh, we have a podcast of the show that's going to be uploaded to the various streaming services uh, in the wee hours of Monday morning and a rebroadcast of this show again Monday afternoons at four so it's all over again but that's going to do it for civil politics now I think uh, John Rasu any last words before the, the music takes us away nope I'm good have a good night right. everybody Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, Good night. Civil Politics is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.